Welcome to Coffee in Space. Coffee in Space is a new podcast designed to get the best and established and up-and-coming science fiction fantasy writers in front of you. I want to help you learn more about who they are as people, how they write, and how they live. Whether you're listening to this podcast at home or in your car or somewhere in between, I want to create a comfortable atmosphere where it's just us hanging out, learning about each other, and of course, science fiction. Hi everyone, this is Dan Smith. I'm a big science fiction fan and a heavy coffee drinker. Welcome to episode one, uh, season one, episode two of Coffee in Space. I'm joined today by Russ Meyer, who writes under the name R.D. Meyer. You can find his books on Amazon.com and other booksellers. Welcome, Russ. Hey, it's good to see you again, Dan. Great to be here. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about what we're reading, about Russ's books and the paranormal genre. Before I let Russ go, however, we'll be sure to hear a snippet of one of his books read by him as well. Uh, first off, though, what are you reading these days, Russ? Well, um, actually, I found myself trying to branch out a little bit more. What I mean by that is, is I kind of fall into a rut of comfort reading, stuff that I've liked in the past, like Guns of the South with Harry Turtle, from Harry Turtle Dove, Heir to the Empire by Tim Zahn, or even the Harry Potter book. So I've been trying to force myself to branch out into new stuff I haven't read before. So I just started Earth Clan by David Brin. Um, and now I'm also targeting the Shiva option by David Weber. Uh, those are the next two on my list for the for about the next month or so. We'll see how that goes. And then I'm going to try to continue to branch out from there. David Brin, you don't know this yet because it hasn't, uh, it hasn't gone live. But my last episode I recorded is uh is about the postman i don't know if you've read it uh david brin's book from back in the 80s yeah it's uh I read about half of it I, I've read the movie but the book is a little bit different yeah the movie uh was written when that particular threat really wasn't still around and so uh, they kind of had to start it over um at any rate i i was talking about uh how covid19 might affect post-apocalyptic writing into the future, uh, meaning that it would take a really, a really much bigger deal to get us to books like The Postman and other post-apocalyptic books. Um, anyway, uh, so, so that's good. I, I'm glad to hear that you're reading David Brin. I like him a lot. Um, I'm, in, I'm investing in some new reading now too. I'm staying kind of in the sci-fi genre but I'm branching out to some new authors, uh, at least for me. I'm working through Meg, uh, O'Keefe, Megan O'Keefe's Velocity Weapon. I don't know if you've heard of that. So, uh, this is her second book. Um, I keep my Goodreads uh, up to date for those of you who follow, uh, follow or in the group. So if anyone out there is uh, wanting to know what I'm reading, uh, you'll see it on my Goodreads. Uh, I also publish my reviews there first and then on the blog. Uh, Russ, talk to me a little bit about what genre you're writing in, subgenre, anything that we might want to know there. Yeah, well, I don't actually have a particular genre. What I like is fantastical stories that have, you know, world-shattering importance. Um, why I was drawn to sci-fi initially, um, but to me, a good story that has a a large bit of imagination in it, which usually does lend itself to paranormal horror or sci-fi that's that's why i like those genres because it it grasps the scope of the story that i'm looking to tell which is usually much larger than just you know everyday life and what drew you to writing the genres that you write 
Um, to be honest, probably uh, because, well, my parents took me to see Star Wars when I was almost four years old. Um, as you know, fantastical characters, awesome villains, um, galactic importance, you know, everything was, was important on a big scale, and it just drew me in. So that's where I started reading, um, where I started watching my movies, and that's the kind of stuff that I'm drawn to. So I've found myself uh, almost not exactly in the space opera uh, genre, but uh, it's those kinds of impacts are what I like to write about. So that's why it's lent itself more to the science fiction, paranormal kind of stuff. That's great. Uh, I think it's always good to know why we're writing there. I think it's one of the things that makes it more interesting for us who are readers is to know why the authors write in uh in their genres mine i write sci-fi because as a kid i watched the original series star trek i've always been kind of a star trek guy and so uh i remember watching them sunday afternoons before we would go to evening church i'm not sure about the old school fundamentalist uh, christian church right after star trek but that's what we did and um, and then that went on in through uh, the postman, some of the other sci-fi that I read as a, a growing up. But that's why I write in sci-fi. I'm glad to hear uh, why you've picked the right the way you write. Now, can I can I interject real quick? It's yeah, go been ahead. Kind of funny to watch. It's been kind of funny to watch the enmity between Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans, as if for some reason they're mutually exclusive. I can love yeah. both. Exactly. And I don't understand. You pick one over the other. That's true. I've I've watched every one that's come out that I've been able to go to uh, in the Star Wars genre. Um, I usually pick a little bit more at it than maybe I would with the Star Trek. Um, but I try and be equal opportunity on both sides. I think Discovery is not Star Trek that I want to watch. Uh, so I try and be hard and easy on everyone uh, equally. And the reality is I just want to watch and read good science fiction so if if star wars has a good one i want to be able to 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 watch it too but let's get back to your writing so you have three books out right now is that correct that's correct and the most recent one is called wrongful death yep uh when was that uh published and tell us about that book um that was published about a year and a half ago um and there there were a lot of horror books out there you know, books about vampires, books about unknown horrors, books about ghosts. And I just started thinking, well, none of these stories are told from the point of view of the supernatural element. You know, we don't have a lot of ghost stories told from the point of view of the ghost. Um, so the book starts, the opening line, about a kid named Christian Geddes, a high school senior, and the opening line is about his death from a car accident. He is met immediately by his spiritual guide, a shadowy figure named Alexander, who tells him that his soul is out of balance because of the way he died, and he's not allowed to pass into the afterlife until he avenges himself upon the person that killed him. So Alexander gets him started in that. He starts doing the normal ghosty kind of things, you know, making stuff move, fingerprints on walls, you know, dropping the temperature, that kind of stuff, as he learns how to be a ghost. And then he finally starts to notice things are kind of out of whack. And he starts to wonder, am I haunting the wrong person? And so it kind of becomes almost a supernatural detective story in a way for him to figure out how, you know, why is this person in front of me? Is this the right person? And what is really going on? 
Okay, you've honestly sold me on your book. I I'm gonna I haven't had time to get around to reading it. Um, I, I bought your first book. It's sitting on my shelf. I am horrible about reading books. It's like I saved my Kindle books for deployment, and so it's there, it's ready. But now I gotta go make sure I've added this one to it as well. Um, I like the detective. Wrongful death is it's like a it's from first person limited perspective. So it's told from the point of view of a kid that was a high school teenager. You know, yeah. I originally tried to write it like it was gonna be coming from a high school girl, and then I realized that I know about as much about high school girls now as I did when I was in high school. So I switched tack to making it a high school senior, a teenage boy. But just remember, some he's a little bit immature. He's kind of irreverent. So I think we can all kind of relate to that. Yeah, I've got two teenagers in the house, so that that lines up right with uh, that lines up with my daily life. I should be able to understand everything you wrote. Um, okay, so as you know, this podcast is an offshoot of the Facebook group, uh, the Military Fans of Science Fiction and Fantasy. That's why we're doing this. Shout out to the Facebook group of which you and I are both members. Uh, so let's take a, we're going to take a couple of questions from the group. I've got uh, three of them lined up for us. So hopefully we get to all three of them. The first one is from Leah Davis who asks, what is the push or what was the push to get you started as an author? Um, to be honest, I've been writing since I was in the fourth grade. Um, I, we, they used to, when I was in fourth grade, Mrs. Joyner, my teacher used to have an hour every couple of days of creative writing, you know, write what you want to. And I remember the first time I wrote was a really bad story because I was nine years old and nine, you know, nine-year-old boys write bad stories. And I heard one of the girls in the class write this really interesting story about crystals and rocks and it was a mystery and it really spurred my imagination to try to make me better. So I started writing more and I just kind of kept writing over the years until finally I said, you know, I've got enough in me for a novel. Now, in fairness, my very, the very first novel I ever wrote uh, was a science fiction novel called On Freedom's Wings, which is not published. Um, looking back at it, I'm embarrassed the way it is, as I'm sure you know, we all are from our early writing. Um, so when I wrote uh, my first actual novel, I put a lot more into it. And that's when I decided, you know what, let's make a push. Let's see if anybody else finds my writing interesting. And uh, even if not, anyone who is a writer understands, you just have a just have a need to write almost like I have a need to drink coffee or something. I, I have to write. So that's kind of what my push was. Yeah, that's great. I actually started writing, I think in the third grade, I had a teacher who really spurred me on Mrs. Bird and she would let me read my stuff to the class. We didn't have a guided thing like you're talking about, but um, it was basically a retelling of white Fang meets call of the wild. Cause I didn't know what I was doing as a writer. Obviously, I was in the third grade. I could barely read uh, in Kansas, and um, and so all my rehash of Star Wars kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and I think at that age, that's perfectly fine. My fourteen-year-old uh, writes a bunch of short stories about uh, what she's doing in Minecraft, and so that's because that's what she knows, and and that's fine. Um, uh, we just we have to learn as writers from what we can, and that's what I learned from. It's good to hear what you learned from. I think it's really cool. Um, okay, so from Don Patterson, who I happen to know really well. Actually, I know all three of the people asking questions today. But uh, Don Patterson asked, do you plot your stories from beginning to end or do you just start writing? So, Russ, are you a planner or a, or a plotter or a panther? 
Um, to be fair, I'm kind of both. And here's what I mean by that. Stories that come to me, um, it, it's weird the way that it happens. I, I walk my dog, and I, back, way back when I started, I had two. I'd walk them for about 45 minutes to an hour. Dogs aren't big talkers, so my, my mind just starts to wander with stuff. Um, once I had the bones of the novel in place, um, I decided I needed to outline some of it. Uh, I can't, because if I just sit down and try and write, I end up hitting a wall where it goes off into nothingness. Um, so I outline a little bit, but the outline is more of a guide than it is, you know, hard and set, hard and fast. Now, there, every once in a while, there's a specific piece of dialogue or a specific sequence of action that I want to include. But usually what I'll do is I'll write, you know, John goes in the room where X is. And then I'll outline out to a certain point probably where I think I have about four or 5,000 words, then I'll sit down and I will write. Um, I can't outline beyond that because as I'm sure you know, when you're writing, especially if all you've got is a guide, the story will kind of take on a life of its own. So if I outline out too far, then you know my writing and my outline will no longer match. So I'll write about four or 5,000 words, then I'll sit back down in my chair with my spiral notebook and my pen and just kind of let my mind wander. Okay, how is the story going? What are the characters doing? And I'll start writing some stuff down again. Um, I, I usually have the bones of the book in mind for Salvation Day, for example. I knew the uh, beginning, I knew the end. I didn't know how to get from the beginning to the end. So that's where the outline really came in in hard. Yeah, I, I follow a lot of that too. I used to be just a straight pantser. Uh, I would just sit down and just start typing uh, whatever came to me, but I found that I would ramble. Uh, if I didn't have some kind of guide. And so, uh, so now I've learned um, partly through the snowflake method, which you can Google that if you're an aspiring writer out there. Uh, it's a good, it's a good planning tool. Um, and partly just through what has worked for me over time uh, to kind of get a bones, uh, a skeleton, if you will. And then, uh, and then plan scenes after I've written the scene prior to it. So for those of you who are just getting started in writing, Plotter and pantser are two terms for writers to describe how they write. If you're a plotter, you outline your stories, and if you're a pantser, you write by the seat of your pants. Those are pretty broad categories, though, uh, as we've just discussed, actually. One plotter might outline every single scene, and I know a couple of them who do, uh, and they develop complete uh, character descriptions. They have what's called character Bibles, um, and that helps them keep you know, eye color, backstory, things like that um, uh, available to them at all times. Whereas another plotter might only jot down the basic plot lines and rough sketches in char of character arcs. Uh, there's a lot of information out there on pantser versus plotter and where you are and what you might want to be. So uh, if you're an aspiring writer in the group, uh, Google that and you'll get more information on the topic. And I think maybe we'll, we'll probably talk about that in future uh, episodes as well. Okay. Russ, let's get uh, one more question from the group. Uh, Ryan Reppy asks, how does your job and what you do or don't do is the case of some, but for you, how does your job and what you do tie into writing? And as I understand it, that's a pretty timely question, right? It, it absolutely is. Um, I just retired from the military officially as of August 1st. So I've kind of been in transition uh, you know, since I retired. I've been, uh, I Started one job right after I, you know, as actually as I was on terminal leave, uh, moved to Memphis, started another job. Um, so 
it's been, it's kind of gotten me a little bit out of rhythm and out, out of kilter. As I'm sure you know, writing, blogging, whatever you're doing, it, I've always likened it to going to the gym. You know, you need to get in the habit of doing it, and then you'll find yourself doing it more often. But if you're thrown off kilter, you got you to gotta break the inertia. I call it breaking the inertia. Um, so I've only just, within the last month or so, gotten back into blogging and writing or even editing my, my work because I was trying to find time to do that. So I'll, I'll either try to write 500 to 1,000 words a day or look over 4,000 to 5,000 words that I've already written. Um, I will plan out my blog uh, about two to three weeks in advance and write the posts and post them. And obviously, I'll shift that around if something big comes up. But uh, with you know, when I was in the military, especially at my last couple of assignments, it was, you know, I had a pretty set schedule where I knew when I could write. As I've tried to get into, you know, this new civilian life, getting back into writing has, has proven challenging. Um, but it's slowly starting to come a little bit more on as I, re as I remember how to budget my time given a new environment. Yeah, and uh, for those of you who uh, who are maybe aspiring writers in the group, uh, Russ did a really good job of communicating with his friends and his fans that he was kind of taking a hiatus, that he, he had some transition issues that he had to take care of, that they were more important at the time, that he had to make sure he had his family set up. Uh, that's on his blog and in his, uh, his Facebook uh, pages that he was uh, he was communicating with those who would be looking for uh, writing updates from him and then he was sure to communicate that on the blog and Facebook when he started his transition back into a writing schedule so the the key I think to take away is that uh, real life happens and it's important and we got to take care of our families as all of us uh, who are attached to the military are aware uh, same thing with writing but just make sure that you are communicating with those who who are your fans or who would be fans who would be purchasing your books or other writing uh, so that they don't get left behind. Uh, okay. So Russ, thank you so much. That's all the time we have for the questions today. Uh, thank you, Leah, Don, and Ryan for your questions. And, and a lot of other folks in the group uh, gave questions and uh, we'll be using them in the future, hopefully with other interviews. But um I asked guest authors, Russ, to read a little from one of their books. So what do you have for us today? Okay. Well, this is my second novel and probably the one that I put my most, most of my heart into called Salvation Day. Um, so we're going to read a, a small portion from, uh, from where the main character is starting to be corrupted into uh, being a little bit more maniacal. So uh, I will read a little bit from that. Uh, here we go. The vault was mostly empty, with a few knickknacks here and there. Most of them had been fallen by the wayside now that the pentagon was in charge, but Mike made a mental note of a few. The device was on a cart so it could be easily wheeled to a lab, so Mike grabbed it, pushed it up the hall, past his friend Gary, who had a look of astonishment on his face. What's that? Gary finally asked. Mike ran a finger down the cool beta carbon nitride. This, he said with a caress in his voice, is our new design. Gary bent over and examined the device like he was looking at an exotic animal. It looks like it's meant to be warm. When Mike nodded, Gary asked, how'd you manage to overcome the mirror angling problems? Through wire coiling and heavy anisotropic magnets, they control the flow of photons and make it stay evenly spaced out until they reach critical mass. Remarkable, Gary murmured. Does it work? Does it work? Mike repeated, the barely 
distressed Bethlehem voice. I'll show you. He pulled the bulky device over his head and strapped it to himself. The, the straps digging into his shoulders and causing him to grimace. As soon as the plates were snug across his back and chest, he maneuvered his arms into place and strapped them down. You look like a cyborg, Gary snickered. Yeah, well, I feel like a reject out of a cartoon from the 50s, but it gets the job done. Mike then pressed his thumb to the biometric plate, setting the synchronization field and setting the power in motion as if it was his own blood, giving him strength. It's ready, he said with a nod. Any particular you want me to do first? Not really, Gary replied. Okay, then how about this? That statement, Mike grabbed a key bar at the end of each tube and worked the sequence. A white gold bar of energy came out and suspended itself in front of him. Humming with power, Mike could feel its, its vibrations and manipulated it into a ring around the closest chair. Turning, Mike then directed the energy at one of the two remaining folding metal tables in the room. It hit the table with a loud clap and vanished. The table itself was gone too, only remnants of powder remaining. How was that, Mike asked triumphantly. Turning back around, the look on his friend's face wasn't what he expected. Dear God, Gary said, looking horrified. Looks like a weapon. Well, could be used for that, Mike responded defensively. Focusing on the spot where the table had been, Gary said, what else can that thing destroy? Mike started to let his annoyance show. It's not about what it can destroy. It's about what such destruction can bring about. Gary ignored the statement and said, can it slice through that wall? It already had, said Mike, no mistaking the pride in his voice as he explained the first test. The look of revulsion in Gary went so deep, Mike thought that his features would collapse. I can't believe you created a weapon, Gary said starkly. The project was supposed to be about how to solve the world's resource and energy shortages, not to find a way to bring havoc. Don't be naive, Mike snorted. It's about using it for greater good. Even if that means destroying the greater part, Gary asked. Mike shook his head and sneered. Don't give me that. This is going to change everything. I should have known you wouldn't understand. You always did lack me. Yeah, well, I bet a reporter would like to know what kind of vision you have going on, Gary challenged. You wouldn't, Mike responded. Watch me, Gary said. The world doesn't need another weapon, especially not this. Excellent. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, folks, we're going to put the uh, the book on uh, the the uh, Facebook page or the group rather, and we'll also put on, or I will put it on the blog uh, uh, in the show notes once we get them up and running so that you can uh, download it straight from, I assume Amazon is what we'll use for that, but uh, we'll do that here, mm -hmm. uh, here in a little bit. Um, okay. So speaking of how they can get a hold of your stuff for us, um, I really enjoyed our chat today. Uh, my cat just walked across the screen, so that kind of messed me up there for a second. She's doing it again. Uh, and that's just part of life. Uh, that's how things go. That's um, a good cat. So, uh, so that is all the time we have today. Clearly, the cat wants the window, and so I've got to close up. But, Russ, how do we, uh, in the, the last couple of minutes we have, how do we learn more about your upcoming project? What is your upcoming project, and when do you plan to launch? Um, well, my uh, newest book is called Schism. It's about a second American civil war based on the current political polarization, red versus blue, we've got going on. Um, I'm going to try to put it out uh, either July or August. I'm still playing with that uh, based on the current coronavirus situation. Um, but I am trying to time it based on maximum political effect. 
I've also got another book called uh, Homecoming that I'm going to set to come out about the beginning of next year, which is a science fiction novel about uh, humanity returning to Earth after being pushed off 6,000 years ago. Um, so uh, both will be up on Amazon. Schism uh, has a co its cover is out. Hopefully it'll be out around the end of July. Sweet. So we'll, uh, we'll get those available to everyone in a group. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to Schism. Uh, I want to read about that uh, for sure. Um, and then how can, what's the blog? How can people get a, get a hold of your writing? Uh, you can find me at R.D. Meyer Writes. That's R-D-M-E-Y-E-R-W-R-I-T-E-S uh, dot blogspot.com. I'm trying to update it three times a week. Not always as successful as I'd like to be. But it is my thoughts on writing. It's my thoughts on what I'm writing, um, and my thoughts on the publishing world in general. Excellent. So everyone, take a look at that blog as soon as you can. Uh, thank you all for listening to this podcast. Take a look at Russ's upcoming release on his blog. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I'm Dan Smith with Russ Meyer, and I can't wait until we meet again over a cup of coffee in space.